Menuchim Abayim, another season. Uh, we have done uh, in this shiur, as you know already, it's a revolving shiur. It uh, initially started as a En Yaakov shiur. And then from there we went to the Amidah, and then we went to Birkat Amazon, and we went to the Tefillah a little. And then uh, we moved on to Kohelet, and then uh, we moved on to Havot Alevavot. And uh, in this tour uh, around the continents, about the Torah continents, so our tour now takes us to another major, major work. The work is called Sefer HaHaredim. Sefer Haredim uh, is a classic. It's another one of the must-reads. You have to read, you know, you go through life, you have to read it. This is one of them. It's written by a rabbi called Abil Azar Azkari. Rabbi El Azar Azkari lives about 500 years ago. And uh, he's, uh, he's exiled from Spain. And he ends up in Sfat. Let's just go to there. He's living in Sfat in the Golden Age. He's living with uh, Maran Rabbi Yosef Karo that he had contact with, as he talks about in the book. He lived at the time of the Arizal, which is considered one of his uh, you know, grand rabbis, everybody's grand rabbi. He lives in the time of Rav Moshe Cordevero, Rav Shlomo Elkabetz, the Redbaz, the Mabit, uh, Teherani. Uh, his rabbi is a rabbi called Rav Yosef Sagis. That's who he refers to as his rabbi. But, uh, you know, that age in Sfat was all the greats. There was a rabbi called Rabbi Shmuel de Ozida. He wrote the Midrash Shmuel on Pirkei Avot, also a student of Darizal, Maharam Galanti. Also great, uh, great Mekubal. The Maharam Al-Sheikh, maybe Moshe Al-Sheikh, the great, the great Darshan. Rav Haim Vital, student of Ben Wadi. In any event, he was a uh, very, very humble rabbi, this rabbi. And he did not uh, carry himself as a rabbi, meaning he did not reveal himself. And uh, to everybody, he was known as a you know, God-fearing man, a nice man, like the Shamosh. You know, a good guy comes to the shul, cleans up, but uh, nobody, you know, gave him the the status of some gadol. Uh, until one Lagba Omer, the story is told by the Devri Haskel. He heard this from. Uh, people of uh, Emunah, people, honest people of Sfat. That's the rabbi from uh, Shinwa, the Bechizkel. Is that how you say it? Shinwa. Uh, so he said that the story is told that Arizal and his students went to Meron for a Lagba Omer. And, uh, you know, they're dancing by the Tziyun of the uh, Bishon in Meron. It's old custom, they're still doing it 500 years later. And uh, all of a sudden, there was an old man. Um, there was an old man uh, dressed uh, in a white suit, and uh, he was dancing with uh, Rabbi Al Azar Azkari, the author of the of the book. So uh, after they finished, the Arizal went to Rabbi Al Azar Azkari and started to. Started to dance with him, and it was a big thing. The student was saying, "He's out dancing with this. Uh, who's this guy that he's that he's dancing with?" So they had the courage after to ask him. They said, "You know, Rabbeinu, with all due respect, you know, you're dancing with the old man, old rabbi. Okay, well, God, God, who is he that you're giving him a hole?" He said, "You know who that old man in the white suit was? That was Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai himself. He came out of the kever in order to." To, to participate in the Samaya. If he could dance with Rabbi Al-Azhar Askari, so I could dance with him also. So it was at that moment that they realized that he was a hidden Sadiq. And then uh, he, started to, uh, he started to reveal himself. Um, he, um, he had tremendous, tremendous cohort uh, in Pardesa Torah. Some of you might know the, the book, that, the songs that he wrote. One of the famous songs 
is Yedid Nefesh. That's some of the Sefer Hadidim. It's in, the, it's in our books. Um, and what he did basically is he gathered um, all the mitzvot in the Torah that are applicable today, Bismanenu, and he wrote little essays on them. And he also has essays on Imunah, belief in creation in God, and some other hashkafic ideas that he put, put together. The Hafetz Hayim used to have a class every day teaching this book to his Baal Batim in Raden. As a matter of fact, uh, in Siman Kufnun Vav, in the Mishnah Brura itself, in Seif uh, Katan, uh, it'll be Seif Katan Gim Dalid. Very long seif. The seif runs, you know, two pages. At the end, he writes, "Ve'od yesharbe ve'harbe." He's talking about mitzvot. Shelo ve'ubehu shuchan aruch. A lot of mitzvot that apply today, but are not written in the shuchan aruch. Ve'nimseu be'sifrim moneha mitzvot. But you got to open up the books that count the mitzvot, and you'll find them there, like the Rambam, the Samag, Vachinuch, Ubiyoter. But more importantly, be'sifr chadidim. Um, no, he gathered all the information of the rabbis that preceded him. And then the Hafez Haim recommends that you should learn it and know it. Not only learn it, know it, you should be an expert on it. So he, he taught the book. So uh, I also heard... It's brought down from the Admor Abi Menachem Mendel Mereminov, that somebody once came to him and was complaining that uh, he has a relative that is turning to Minut. Minut is uh, heresy. Yeah, the person starting to lose his, uh, his faith. So uh, the rabbi from Reminov said, Shi'ilmod imo bechol yom shi'ur besefer haredim. Let him learn every day Sefer Haredim by Yedezi Yinatzin Mizeh. So that's already now a sigula against Minut. That if a person, God forbid, you know, uh, has some ideas that are poisonous ideas that creep in his may, uh, mind, you know, things that are heretical ideas, the rabbi tell you, this book has an ability to flush those, flush those, flush those ideas out. Um, so. I decided to spend uh, at least this uh, semester to study the book. Uh, we'll go through it. I ordered the books today from the bookstore, so they're on uh, order. Everybody will have their uh, complimentary copy of the book next week, uh, so you can follow inside. Now, uh, we have a problem over here. My, my, uh, my uh, evil inclination uh, tells me that we should start at page one. Uh, the reason why I call that the evil inclination is because there are a few pages before page one that the author calls the introduction. Hakdama. And uh, you know, nobody wants to read Hakdamot. You just want to get to the you want to get to the book. You know, it's like you know, before the movie they have these uh, pre uh, coming attractions. You know, just enough of the coming attractions, let's get to the movie. Well, Lahavdil uh, the same author that wrote page one wrote the introduction. So we really can't hold it against them for being honest. Which is, if you would have called the introduction page one, we would start from, from, from there. Thank you. Uh, but the fact that he called it an introduction, he was honest, so therefore we should hold it against him and skip it. And uh, I will tell you that some of the great ideas that we have have been uh, buried in the. Uh, in, in introductions, uh, the famous introduction of Maimonides, Tiyad Hazakah. There's actually commentary on that. People wrote books to explain that introduction. So that's uh, the famous introduction of Rabbi Moshe Haim Lutzato to Misilat Yisharim, another, you know, another masterpiece where he uh, you know, reveals uh, a lot of secrets. So uh, I learned a long time ago that uh, you shouldn't skip introductions. You know, if the, if the author wanted you to skip it, he wouldn't have wrote it. He would have said, you know, I wrote these pages over here, but treat them like the first 20 pages of the Sidur. Skip it and go straight to Baruch Sha'amad. 
and then uh, and it'll be okay. But they don't do that. Uh, they want you to actually. So we'll read the hakdama. But first, I'm going to make a beracha. Maruch atad onai Eloheinu melech haolam shekol nebaruch. You're about to hear now Torah from from one of the masters, from one of the greats. This is a rabbi that rubbed elbows with Arizal. Uh, I think he received the simicha from Rabbi Yaakov Berav. That's the same rabbi that Rabbi Yosef Kato received the simicha from. Uh, he lives in the golden age of, of, of Sfat, as I mentioned. And he was a very, very, what should I say, um, very devout Jew. He calls the book Sefer Haredim. You know, today in, in, in secular Israel, they talk about the religious people, they call them Haredim. He was ahead of his time. Uh, Haredim didn't start in Bnei Berak in 2019 or Me'a uh, Haredim have been around since uh, 500 years ago in Sfat. And interesting that this is a Sfaradi Haredi. You know, uh, he's one of us. Haredi means somebody that's uh, <coughs> Hared, how should I say it? Somebody that's, uh, how would you, what would you call it? Fear. Fearful. Fear. Yeah, somebody that's fear. It's like a high level of Yirat Hashem. Right, that's, he's going to name the book after, I think, that Pasuk. It's Hared and Dvar Hashem. So, but he was very, very devout. He would actually uh, have meetings with groups of Jews that he formed a group, like he's going to mention. And they accepted upon themselves to learn all day long Torah and all that. And every Friday was a va'at. They would come to the shul and they would have to confess to each other what sins they committed that week. And that would be a deterrent, you know, not to do it. He would come ahead of Shabbat. If we would do that without members, uh, we wouldn't finish till let's say Shabbat with all the confessions. So that's why we don't do it. You know, we'd, uh, we'd go right into Abdallah. But uh, Rav Haim Vital writes that he was part of that group and he stopped going. It was too... <laughs> imagine Rav Haim Vital couldn't handle that, uh, you know, that, that, that group of confessions. So he was a very, very demanding, uh, demanding rabbi. Anyway, we start the Hakdama. If you have it, you could probably get it on your phones for this week. If you have uh, Hebrew books or... You know, uh, but as I said, the books are on order. We ordered 10 books. I guess we should make it about 20 or 30 books. But each book, I think, is $7. So I couldn't find a sponsor for the 70 bucks. So I just ordered 10. But if anybody, uh, anybody interested, we could order more. Times are tough. Amara Mehaber. Amazing story, he says. He says, we went to visit Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai. And uh, the boys were there, the rabbis were there. We were learning his Torah by Rashbi. Seems he used to visit Rashbi twice a year. So Baruch Hashem, uh, all those uh, that visit Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai, that's an old custom, you know, nobody could... Uh, Nobody can take it. That's one place that you visit. You, know, you, you, go, you go visit the Tzion of Rashbi. So he says, we were there on one of our trips. We sat, I guess they cried by the grave. We called out to God in a bitter heart. You know, our heart was melting from the prayers. We were just so awestruck in that. How? Rabbi Shimon and his friends in those days. One of the great of Rabbi Shimon and his friends and his colleagues, they would uh, agonize over the exile of the Shekhinah. And they took it very, very, very uh, hard on themselves. That, you know, how can it be that the Shekhinah is in exile, the temple is destroyed? And the Hidud Hashem is taking place amongst the Goyim. And they were blaming themselves, even though they were not the cause of it. They were, if anything, part of the solution. They weren't really part of the problem. So he says, He says, he says, all the more so to us, we're causing the destruction. Now, we're 500 years later. He's causing the destruction. 
Rabbi Lazar Azkari is the cause of the Galut Shechina. Sheyesh Tanu Levkot Ustarikif Lai. So everybody looks at you know themselves relative to the previous generations. So he says, so therefore we will buy the grave of Rashbi. And we started agonizing and crying for the Galut of the Shechina. Now we quote the Tikkun Zohar. Woe to the people that a Kadosh Baruch Hu is incarcerated with them. That just like God is in exile, we are in exile with God together. But it says, Somebody that's locked up cannot free himself. He needs somebody else to free him. As if to say that it is incumbent upon us to free the Shekhinah from, his, from its shackles. How do you free God? We must make Teshuvah. Teshuvah will free the Shekhinah from its uh, confines. It's in, it's in our hands. Like it says, The Shekhinah looks from one place to another. There's nobody that can save the Shekhinah except the Shuvah. If somebody will be aroused to make the Shuvah, to break the shackles of the Shekhinah, but what does the Shekhinah say? I look this way, this way, and nobody wants to do it. Nobody wants to free me. Everybody goes to their own work. Everybody's busy with their own stuff. Everybody's answering emails. Everybody's answering texts. The Shekinah says, I'm over here trying to get released. And each, nobody's concerned. Everybody's involved in their own stuff. Everybody's interested in inheriting this world. And they're trying to make a stake in this world, and they're trying to amass in this world. And they're not loyal to this job. Says the rabbi. Abisha was the one that said this. So while they were at the grave, they read this piece of Zohar. And he says, as we're reading it, his lips are moving in the in the grave, because the Gemara says that when you quote a rabbi at his grave, or even not at his grave, his lips start to move. So it says, It got us shook into our heart. So we said at that day, Woe to us to the day of judgment. How are we going to come with shame in front of God what are we going to say to God? He says, this does not happen once. This happened over and over when we visited Nabi Shimon Bar Yochai. We felt so uh, uh, unworthy and we felt so uh, 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 unworthy and we felt so embarrassed. How are we going to stand in front of God? Then we would come back home. And then we get caught up and wherever we're getting caught up again. So, so after a while we said you know something we can't just cry we have to do something God promised that anybody God promises that anybody that wants to do something good he'll help you you gotta make the first step it's an amazing concept person says it's impossible. It's impossible if you don't take a step forward. But once you take a step forward, doors start to open up. God says, open up a door the size of a needle. I promise you, God says, that door will end up being the size of a, of a big hall, of a big banquet. I accept it upon myself to make Teshuvah and bring people back to Teshuvah in order to free the Shekhinah from its... Uh, so that, that's his motivation in writing the book. Some people write a book for fame. I want to make it on the New York Times bestsellers list. It's a big status. Some people write a book to take revenge against somebody that they want to uh, settle the score with. Some people write a book in order to make money. He's telling you the motivation why I wrote the book is none of the above. It's in order to motivate people to make teshuvah 
in order to free the Shekhinah from its uh, from its shackles, so uh, so we can be redeemed. He says here in Sfat, Asinu We created a, a group, Hebra and we named the group Sukkot Shalom. And we get together, we have uh, uh, support groups. Support groups, how to make Teshuvah. And I go around from congregation to congregation telling the people to make Teshuvah. And we have a special group, during the six days of the work day there, they're sagur, they're locked up learning. So I said, you know what? We have to put this in writing. It's not enough for me to make these speeches. Just like God put his word in writing, I got to put all these words in writing so it'll be for, uh, you know, for the ages. So I started the name of God. Um... So he says, and I chose to, to, to write this book. So he's talking about over here, he says, I chose to write a book that will explain the Torah that has gone through seven filters. So he says, an amazing Hadushia, that before the Torah was given, it had to go from seven different Sadiqim until it would be ready to... To, to be received. So he says, who are the seven? So he says, from the Rashba, Adam, Shet, Noah, Shem, Abraham, Yitzhak, Yaakov. Once you had those seven Sadiqim, the final uh, uh, filter, the final purification was made by Yaakov. See, Adam had uh, a son that wasn't so good and then uh, Shet as well each one had uh, children that were not so good, he says over here uh, Avraham had Ishmael um, Yitzhak had uh, Esav Adam and Ishon Lon is the kick Zaronak Beshet Shet is the kick Benoach, Noach Beshem Shem Abraham, Abraham, Yitzhak, Yitzhak, Yaakov Yaakov, Yaakov, Mezukak and therefore the Torah was able to be given to him and then God took us out of Mitzrayim. Mitzrayim with great miracles and he split the sea and he drowned the enemies he changed the orders of creation at that point when we left Egypt we knew it beyond the shadow of a doubt we knew that God is uh, nobody, nobody uh, uh, besides him. Then we came to Hal Sinai. He's giving you history. The order of the Shekhinah came down in Hal Sinai. He spoke to us face to face. And that Torah was our Pidyon. It's our redemption. He separated us from all the Goyim. That walk in darkness. Of the Elilim. Those that worship Abu Nazara. Heaven, Hemma, Ma'aset, Involved in frivolity and nonsense. And God took us in the desert. A place of snakes and scorpions. And God surrounded us with around Satan, No Satan could touch us, and no bad occurrence. And the mountain would come down. And the well would uh, set forth uh, uh, fresh water from the earth. weren't lacking anything for 40 years. So God, the rabbi says, and God was so good to the Jewish people. What did they do in turn? In Pashobo, they rebelled against them. What did they do? They worshipped in Egel. So God said he wants to destroy them. But he hinted to Moshe that if Moshe wants to pray, he can pray and maybe he'll change his mind. How did he do that? He told Moshe, leave me alone, don't pray. Leave me alone, that Moshe got the hint. That if I don't leave him alone, then he's going to save them. So he said, Ani Ali. 
as it hazik Moshe, Moshe Rabbeinu girded himself, Vayhal Moshe Panav, and he prayed, Vayom Elo, eventually God said, Salah, Tikin Vanech, I forgive. Vayraya, Ki Mahal, and Bechina Gimura, so what's the proof that God forgave him? So this is an amazing point. He says, right after the egg, and God told them, now I want you to make flags. The Jewish people traveled in the Midbar in a formation. They didn't just travel in, uh, you know, helter-skelter, just a bunch of uh, a mob scene. It wasn't uh, the Hajj. We had a bunch of million people just running, uh, you know, towards some, uh, some rock. They traveled in a formation. Every tribe, like in a square, and each tribe, each three tribes had a flag that was called uh, a flag formation. So he says, Ish Four corners, like a square, and the Shekhinah was in between. Mishkan Maleh. What was in between the Mishkan? Dugmat Mahanem Malakim. If you go to the Shamayim, that's the same formation that the angels have in the heavens. So God was giving us a, uh, a mirror image of what goes on in heaven. And what's the four angels? Uh, Michael, Gabriel, Raphael, Nuriel. The who and God is in the middle. So then, once He gave us the flag formation, we knew that He forgave us because we're modeling the formation that is served in the upper in the upper worlds, like it says in the uh, Zohar Kadosh. And then right away, God wanted to bring us to Israel. And then what happened? Another sin. What was that? The spies. They despised the chosen land. But God did not break his covenant with us. Once God chose us out of Sinai, he would never, uh, um, you know, uh, switch us with another nation. Now, finally, 40 years later, we come into Eretz Yisrael. They came to the city of Jericho. In the beginning, he's giving Hagdama. He says, we got to the city of Jericho. That was the first war. He reminds us that how did they conquer that land? They said... The Mizmor Aleru the Shabayah. That's at the end of the Amid, that's the end of the Tefillah. It was written by Yoshua bin Nun. He says, They read it forwards and backwards seven times. They have a new singular. I know they read it forwards, but he's saying they read it backwards as well. Uh, on the footnote over here it says that the Kolbo writes in Siman Ted Zain, the Shamati. Right. Well, let's see the let's see the Alenu. Let's see. He put his he put his initials in Alenu the Shabayah. Well, Alenu is uh, Ayn. Okay, so let's see. Let's see. Let's see if he put his name, the Mafreya. Yoshua's name, where are you, Yoshua? Let's see. We need Yehoshua. Oh, we have Ayin, Lamid, Lamid, He. Backwards, He, Lamid, Lamid, Ayin. Oh, we got to put Moshe Asis on it. Moshe, where's, uh, where's Yoshua's name? V'chatam Moshem Katnuto. Hoshem Katnuto. What's Shem Katnuto? Maybe Hoshea. The Mafreya. Well, unless, unless it's in... Um, There's a Vav. Vav. Oh, you have to figure out how we did it. But nonetheless, it says that um, He said it seven times. The seven walls of Yericho came down. Wow. So the Sidderim says, anytime God forbid somebody's in trouble, let him say Alinu Shabaya forwards and backwards, and they'll have a uh, Yeshua. And let's start. Let's try. Just start saying it first in Shaharit, and then, you know what I mean. And then if we could say it in Shaharit. Then maybe we could start uh, figuring out a way how to do it.
outside. Then he goes on and says, they entered the city of Jericho, and they burnt it. And then the sun stood. That's the famous story of Yoshua Benu when he stopped the sun in uh, Givon. Then from David came, David Amelik. He jumps to David and he was able to beat the Pilishti. That's uh, uh, Goliath. David was so strong, he would shoot an arrow, and the arrow was able to be killed 800 people in one time. 800 casualties in one shot. How many miracles would God do to us during that time? Open up the Navi, you'll see all the miracles. He brought a king. Look how he calls David. Melech, Sadiq, Hasid, Kadosh, servant of God. And he put Ruach HaKodesh, David was a prophet. And he sang the most beautiful songs to Elim. And God gave him Ben Hakam. Nobody ever liked him. He ruled the whole world. Everybody served the son of David, and they bowed him. And he built a temple in Jerusalem. But when the Jewish people started to sin, God would send prophets, they would rebuke us. Make teshuvah. But we didn't listen. Once already the, the box was full, God, you know, did not have any more uh, patience. He destroyed the temple. And scattered us on the four corners of the, earth, of, of the world. Now we cannot pray in the Beit HaMikdash. We have to pray far away from the temple, facing the temple. Um, so he says, uh, which is an interesting point, which means it comes out that God scattered us on the four corners of the earth. So we're still like the, we're still like the flags. We have Jews in the north, we have Jews in the east, we have Jews in the west, we have Jews in the south, and all of us face towards Jerusalem, so the Beit HaMikdash is in the middle. So that flag formation, he said, still applies, and even when the Jewish people, that's why he sent us to the four corners of Galut, in order to say that, uh, uh, I still love you. I'm, I'm still keeping that formation that's in heaven that you had in the Midbar, you're still going to have it in the Galut, which is a redeeming factor. Aval, he says, We didn't, we didn't repent from our mistakes, and that's why we have such a long Galut. And unfortunately, in Galut, there's a lot of, lot of troubles. We didn't, have, we didn't have one day of rest, one day of quiet. No one day of peace. Trouble every day. I mean, he's talking, he was a survivor of the Galut of Sfarad, of the, uh, of the Spanish uh, Inquisition. So he knows what it means to be uh, uh, exiled. And he says, uh, Our mitzvot observance was casual. You know, we kept the mitzvot, but you know, nobody was... Uh, we did the positive commandments, but you know, our hands were weak. We didn't do it with uh, the full, you know, energy. Woe to us that the generation is not good. We're not, we're not as good as our parents. We cannot guarantee that there won't be another exile, ushmadot, or another pogrom. The, the sword of the uh, of the Yonaikos, which is uh, the enemy. All the bitter cups of, of of misery that we have drunk over the course of years. He says, "Veraiti gadolador." He says, I have seen with my own eyes the great rabbi of our generation, Muharav Rabbi Yosef Karo. That what? Metzer v'do'eg azot b'yamav. That Rabbi Yosef Karo would agonize. He says, I saw my own eyes of the people that are not following the halakha. They're not following. Maybe that was one of his motivations to write the Shohan Aruch. That he saw that there was a, a lackadaisical approach towards, uh, you know, towards the mitzvot, towards the positive and the negative commandments. And uh, there's a heavenly voice if you can hear it comes every day. It says, make teshuvah. Even though you don't hear it, your mazal hears it. 
uh, every day, and the, the, the voice can be heard on a, on a special frequency that can be picked up by the, the Shama. You hear every day a voice. What are you sleeping? Wake up already. Uh, one day you're going to be held accountable for your deeds. You're going to have to answer God for, the, for, for your observance. But he says, Nobody's waking up. Nobody gets aroused. Everybody just like a sheep that's lost, going their own merry way. Nobody thinks for a second. Here's another amazing uh, fact that we talked about this a lot. Our existence is miraculous. In every generation, they want to destroy us. And saves us. Like it says in the Prophet, and then the Torah, that even though I'm going to put you in your enemy's land, they won't be able to destroy you. Miracles, we've been exiled for thousands of years there's been no nation that's been more exiled than the Jewish people and every Jew has tremendous miracles that happened to him and what's our response to God after all these miracles he does for us we're ingrates the fact that we're able to, to, to walk in the street that we're, we're alive that the Goyim didn't uh, destroy us already he says, it's, the, it's all the preoccupation of the exile. They lived in poverty. We don't have, uh, to, we don't have time to catch our spirit. Now we're not able to keep the Torah in poverty. Because we didn't keep the Torah, we were wealthy. He gives a Musa. He's when the Jews had it good. And we had money, and we had our land, and we had our home, and everything. We were in contempt of God. So God said, you didn't keep the Torah when you had everything easy for you. Now you're, gonna, now, now you're not going to be able to keep the Torah through poverty. And he quotes the Pesukim on this. Now please remember what the Prophet Hoshea said. Ahar Yashuvu B'nei says, there's come a time where the Jews are going to start to make the Shuvah. Who make sure to Hashem and they're going to seek out God. Who pahadu and Hashem they're going to fear God. This is happening in our time. In our time, we're starting to see people that are starting to return. Uh, we haven't seen it, I don't think, in our history, uh, or at least in the modern history. The, uh, the mass return of Jews to Yahadut, like you have today. Uh, if you just look at all these uh, Kiruv movements that you have today, and all these Baalei Teshuvah movements, people are, people are returning. And that was already prophesied in the Torah, that at the end of time there's going to be a, a, one last uh, you know, ditch attempt to bring the people back. So he says, and he's writing this 500 years ago, and that's when it started. Everybody should be trembling from the fear of God and His, his greatness. He says, the animal has loyalty to his master. We shouldn't have loyalty to... Uh... So he writes, he says, uh, Please listen to me. He says, uh, let us start to uh, make the shuvah. His grandfather also was called Elaskar Eskari. He says, it came to my heart. I'm not doing this for honor. I'm not giving my family a good name. I'm doing this for the kavod of Hashem. I want to write a book on three, three principles. The mitzvot, teshuvah, and emunah and kadosh baruch Those three items. So he says, the, now he goes on to say, why is it so important, these mitzvot, that I'm going to talk about? He talks about the mitzvah of sisit. Because the seat actually is the mitzvah that was given to us 
in order to remind us of the 613 mitzvot. So sisit is one of the, the most important mitzvot because it's a reminder of all the mitzvot. Any mitzvah that you're going to do is dependent on one of the eight major organs of your body. What are the eight major organs? Live, that's one. Ayin, the eyes. I guess that's two eyes, so that's three. Peh is the mouth. That's four. Hotem, the nose, that's five. Ozen, that's the ears. Well, he's not counting them as two. That's uh, four. Yad, the hands, that's five. Regel is the legs, that's six. Rosh is the... Rosh Giviyah. Rosh Giviyah is the Brit Milan. So again, what are the eight? Lev, Ayin, Peh, Hotem, Ozen, Yad, Regel, Rosh Giviyah. All the mitzvot are fulfilled, and avirot, I guess, in those, in those areas. Um mitzvah sisit reminds us of all the mitzvot. So he says, how many strings do you have on each fringe? Eight. Why do you have eight? To remind you of the eight uh, areas of the body where all the mitzvot are going to be fulfilled or transgressed. Yesh bekanav shmona hutin remez l'shmona devarim elu. Lachen ra'iti lechalek mitzvot l'shmona devarim elu beperakim. So he's going to break up the book into eight chapters by parts of the body. These are the mitzvot you can do with your eyes. These are the mitzvot you can do with your hands. These are the mitzvot you can do with your nose. These are the mitzvot you can do with your. What you do with your nose? What are you talking about, Joe? You smell besamim on Motzei Shabbat. And besides that? Saying sin? That's sin. Sin? You smell, uh, smell Avodah Zarah? I don't know the truth. I don't know what he's going to say. We're going to have to see. El Perakim. Ach. Oh, he talks about it right now. Ach. A mitzvot that you b'chotem. The mitzvot that have to do with the nose. Lefi shem mu'atot. Since not too many of them. So you were right. Atzalef otam ima tilut b'peh. Oh, so he puts the mouth and the nose. In, in the same uh, hospital, he puts them in the, the ear, eye, and throat uh, infirmary. He puts them in the same uh, in the, the EMT, same EMT. same floor. The EMT, okay. The rehad etayah bechotem meltay betamad etayah bepe. Okay. The chetuv kemusam mitzvot berekabala. Then he writes the mitzvot not from kabbalah, meaning kabbalah, uh, meaning from the neviim and the ketuvim, and from the rabbis. Beautiful. Ferauy lechol yirei Hashem lehagdim kol yom. Now this is an amazing thing. I don't know. I've never seen anybody do this, but he's saying. You should get up in the morning. Well, that I see some people do. Like dim kol yom, l'skor balev to remember ulhotzi bapeh to actually verbally enunciate a mitzvot sheivshalu lekayeman. When you got up in the morning, you say, "Okay, what can I do today? I could uh, put on talit. I could still do that. I could put on tefillin. Uh, I could pray. I could uh, say kiriat shema. That's a mitzvah deoraita also." Uh, I can make vidui anna, that's teshuvah, that's a mitzvah de oraita. What other mitzvot can I do? I give sadaqah during my barak, that we three pennies, that I really help somebody. And then uh, I could uh, I could make mirkat amazon if I eat breakfast. I could do chesed. I could learn Torah after shahrit. You gotta make a list of all the different items, like a, you know, the, the, the bucket list. That's the things that uh, people wanna do before they kick the bucket. They make a, 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 a list. That's what they call a bucket list. They kick the bucket. They want, I got to do this, this. So he's telling you, every morning you have to make a bucket list of uh, you know, items that is possible. Errands. Uh, my wife does it every night before she goes to sleep. She has a, a paper by the bed. And she writes, tomorrow's, uh, tomorrow's evidence. You know, uh, uh, how much places she can spend money in, uh, in, in, in one day until, uh, until sunset. And then the next day, the next, uh, you know, just to figure out how much, uh, how much errands. And they do that. So the, we don't do that. We make a list in our minds in the morning. All right, mitzvot. What mitzvot am I able to accomplish today? That's my, uh, you had a good day today? You prayed the Hamidah, you said Shemai. What did you, what did you say? No, I went to the movies. I went bowling. I had two strikes and a spare. What's that going to do for you? You have to talk about uh, your, your, your real accomplishments. If you stayed in class this morning, we learned the Rambam after this morning, Shari. You learned the Rambam, you learned Torah for, for, for 45 minutes. Yeah, you did something proper. Then you want to make money. Uh, in business, there's rules. So you have to count every day 
וכן כתב עליו רבי יוסף נחמיאס. There's a rabbi called רבי יוסף נחמיאס. He wrote a book, I have it in my office, that I showed to Yosef Nachmias. He's a student of the Rosh. He writes, It says in the parasha of Sisit, It says, And you should remember the mitzvot. Why does he have to remember it twice? The first you have to remember them in your heart. Unbelievable. There's a mitzvah according to them to verbalize the mitzvot that you have to fulfill on any given day. Interesting. I called the book Sefer Haredim. To remind you of the mitzvot that you're able to fulfill. Why did God give the Torah with such drama? With, with fire, and there was noise, shofar, and lightning. Because God wants us to fulfill the mitzvot with that same drama. That we shouldn't fulfill the mitzvot routinely. And we shouldn't fulfill the mitzvah, you know, lackadaisically. The Torah was given with fire. Because to tell you that's the way, that's not uh, 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 only so you can remember it. You know, sometimes you have an event that uh, is called the wow factor. So you'll never forget how to see nice. Wow, that's an amazing event. Look at the noise, look at the fireworks, look at everything. But he's saying, no, the reason for the drama was to tell this is the way that you're supposed to fulfill the mitzvot with a fire, with a brim, with, a, with an enthusiasm. So he quotes the Pasuk in Ezra, like it says, Ve'aharedim b'mitzvat Elohenu. That's where he's got the name of the book, Haredin. V'ne'emar, by the prophet Yeshaya, chapter Zamechvav, Shem'u devar Hashem ha-haredim el devaro. Also, you see the word Haredin. Uchtiv, ve'elzeh abit el'ani ul'cherua ve'hared al devari. Now, if you, uh, we have a Chumash, bring us a Chumash. He says, open up Rashad Ba'alotecha, chapter 21. You remember, uh, there was... Two people that were Tameh. And they weren't able to bring the Qurban Pesach because they were Tameh. So they came to Moshe Rabbeinu and they asked for a, uh, for a makeup. You remember they said, you know, why should we lose out? Anachnu temeim nefesh adam. Lamba nigara. Why should we be diminished to lose out of the Qur'an? So therefore, what did uh, God do? God told Moshe, let them bring another Pesach, Pesach Sheni. He gave them a, uh, a makeup. So that she writes, Lama Nigara. Lama Nigara. So he says over here, these obviously were kosher people. What does that mean? They were. Uh, they had a tremendous uh, yearning or desire to do the mitzvot. Because they were exempt, really. They, they, they technically they didn't have to do the mitzvah. They came to Moshe Rabbeinu and they said, we want to do the mitzvah. Furthermore, you remember Moshe Rabbeinu, before he passes away, he separates three cities outside of Israel before they went into Israel. There were supposed to be six cities of refuge. So he established the three on the Transjordan side before they actually came in, even though he knew that those three that he established will not be functional until they establish the three in Eretz Israel. So that she says over here, Natan lev lihiyot hared ladavar she Again, you see, Moshe was a haredi. 
So that word today that they use, they use it derogatorily. Oh, he's a Haredi. He's a, he's, a, you know, he's a low life. He's a Haredi. You know. and, 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 so what are you supposed to be? A reform? A conservative? Uh, orthodox light? What, 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 they, uh, what, what do they want from us? No, but that word today, when they call he's Haredi. Haredi is like, like a monkey. He's like a, he belongs in the, he belongs in the zoo. Mean no, but, but but here you say Moshe Rabbeinu was Haredi. Right, that's they're making fun. They're making fun of Moshe also. Ah, oh, come on, you can't make fun of Moshe. <laughs> he says, Amar Moshe, sheefshan mitzvah lekayema akayemena. Moshe Rabbeinu says, "There's a mitzvah that I can fulfill. I'm going to." So Haredi means also. I don't think only means fearful. It means they're zealous. They're um, they do things, you know, uh, with, with, with alacrity and speed. Anyway, that's why it's called the book of Haredim, that you should be hared to do the mitzvot. You should be uh, vigilant and uh, fearful and uh, uh, energized. Listen, we say it every day at the end of Amidah. We pray. Sidur, uh, please. The Sidur says over here at the end of the Amidah that we pray to God that give me the uh, wherewithal that I should run after your mitzvot. We're not asking God give me the ability to fulfill your mitzvot. That's not enough to fulfill the mitzvot. But we should have a desire to, to run after them. Shlomo that Yirat Hashem has to be something that you pursue. It's not something that you uh, accomplish, you know, nonchalantly or casually or you know, just uh, sitting back. You have to pursue it. So uh, this book, Sefer Haredim, is going to obviously remind us of, the, uh, of our responsibility. So that, that's Hagdama of the Mehaber. Now, I'm, I'm, I have... I have bad news, but I, I, you know, full disclosure, so nobody should have any claims. That was the first of two hakdamot. There is another hakdama. You believe it? This hakdama, by the way, the second hakdama is like 25 pages. So the next hakdama, which will start next week, is called hakdama la mitzvot. Because now he's going to start teaching you the mitzvot, but he wants to give you an introduction. So uh, let me, let's put it this way. For those that are not into introductions, you could probably come back in February, and we'll be on page 45, and that's Perik Aleph. That, that, that's when the book officially, officially starts. So if you have to do uh, you know, some personal uh, errands and stuff like that on Monday nights, now's the time to do it. But we're not going to skip it. I'm not going to let the guys in this class pressure me to skip uh, an important historical introduction because of the, uh, you know, the want that they want to start from page one. I'm not going to let it happen. Uh, I'm going to stand strong, and we're going to do the hack. The rabbi wrote it, and we're going to give him the benefit of the doubt to read it and to analyze it correctly. And, uh, and if it's not uh, suitable to you, then you could, uh, you know, you know what you could do. So... Uh, the next haktama is called haktamata mitzvot. Now look how naive I am. I prepared the whole class, all these papers for the haktama of the mitzvot, thinking that I'm going to read the first haktama and get to the second haktama also. But because of the constraints of time, we'll have to stop here. Baruch Amen. Amen.